guests, thank you so much for coming to New Life Pentecostal Church tonight. We really appreciate it. Hallelujah. We count it a true privilege and honor that you have decided to come and worship with us on this evening. Hallelujah. We know there's many things you could have done besides come to New Life Pentecostal Church tonight, but we appreciate you coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I know some of the things we do may seem strange to you, but as our pastors always said, we would be more than happy to be able to sit down with you and show you why we do what we do in the Bible, if you would just give us an opportunity. Hallelujah. Praise God. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse number 46 is the only verse I'm going to read this evening before I let you sit down. 1 Samuel 17 and 46 says, This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. This is David speaking to Goliath. He's facing Goliath head on. May I add one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible? Hallelujah. David said, This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth. And pay attention to this last line. It said that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Hallelujah. Praise God. You may lay your Bibles down. I'm going to preach tonight on this thought. There is a God in the land. Hallelujah. Let's pray this evening. Lord, we love you tonight, Jesus. I thank you so much, Lord, for the opportunity, God, that I have to be able to feel your presence one more time. God, I'm asking tonight that souls would be saved before we leave this place tonight. God, I need your anointing, Jesus. I can't speak. I can't even walk, God, unless you hold my hand. Lord Jesus, I need you to speak through me tonight, God. Take control of this body and take control of my limbs, God. Lord God, that your perfect will would be done in this place tonight. God, I'm asking the conviction would fill this house, oh Lord, that souls would be changed, lives would be mended, God, before we leave this house tonight. God, we're so hungry, Lord Jesus, to see your glory manifest itself in this house. God, and do it tonight in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Can we give him praise this evening? I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Praise God. David knew that he had to do something to this Philistine. That he heard defying God's people. <clears throat> Most of us will know the story. But for those who may not, I'm going to just give a quick overview of what, where I'm pulling this from. David was just a young shepherd boy. That God had anointed king because Saul had messed up. King Saul had messed up and God had taken the kingdom from him and anointed David 
Israel. But at the time, while David waited for King Saul until it was his turn to take the throne, David just sat on the back of a mountain and tended sheep. And war came up with the Philistines and Israel took up arms and met the Philistines to fight. And when they did, the Philistines had a hero, if you will, that they looked up to and they had been very comfortable when he was with them. They knew that nobody had the guts to stand up to this man. Once he showed up on the scene, there was no reason for anybody to do any fighting. So the Philistines knew this and knew that Goliath, this giant, a man that was, if I remember correctly, somewhere over nine feet tall, quite a giant of a man, if you I would hate to see his, I would, actually, I would love to see his tent compared to all the other guys' tents. <clears throat> his spear, it, his spear was described and it was unbelievable. So it was made out of, out of a weaver's beam. The man was just massive. And he had a booming voice on top of that, obviously, because he would go out daily to battle. And he would stand in the valley and, and holler up to the Israelites, Send me a man that I might fight with him. And he made a wager. He said, If I win, the Philistines will forever be servants to you. And if you win, you will forever be servants to the Philistines. And that was the wager that Goliath put forward. One day, David, his dad had asked him to take some food out to his brothers which were fighting well which were supposed to be fighting <clears throat> and he showed up on the scene and lo and behold not too long after he got there Goliath shows up and begins to holler send me a man and he began to say things against God and against Israel and began to defy the armies of God and when David heard this, something rose up inside of him. 1 Samuel 17, verse 23 through 29 said, And as he talked with them, his brethren, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, the same thing that he's been saying all along. And David heard them. The only thing that was different about David was he heard them. In verse 24, something stirred up inside of him. Everybody else got scared and ran away. As you'll find out. It said, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were so afraid. Verse 25, And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him... The king will enrich him with great riches and give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. In other words, you don't have to pay taxes. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine? And taketh away the reproach from 
us uncircumcised Philistine. That he should defy the armies of the living God. And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard what he said unto the, unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep? David, you're just a little kid. And by the way, who in the world's watching those sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? He said, I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. He said, you just left after everything behind. You left all your responsibility just because you wanted to come see what was going on. But David didn't miss a beat. He looked at his brother and he said, verse 29, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? David looked at his brother. He said, Look, I've come down to bring you food like Dad told me to. What are you accusing me of? Why are you trying to make me like a look like a heel of beans to all these guys? Is there not a cause for us to be stirred up? Is there not a reason for us to be mad at the Philistines? Because he is defying the armies of God. He is putting down the God that I serve. There is a cause for me to stand up when I hear somebody making accusations against my church, making accusations against my man of God, Brother Jared. There's something gets out inside of me, and I look him dead in the eye and say, is there not a cause? Why in the world are you saying these things against my pastor? Because when you attack my pastor, believe it or not, you're attacking God. Hallelujah. And the Bible's very clear. It says, touch not mine anointed. Hallelujah. But that's another subject for another day. It's not where I'm headed. David just was baffled. Why do you think I'm just coming down here to make fun and, and just to see things? And, and This man is defiant of our God, Eliab. Isn't there a cause for me to be upset? Isn't there a cause for me to be saying the things I'm saying? Why aren't you guys that are much stronger and much bigger than I? How come you have not taken him yet? Do you not care what he is saying? David wanted everybody to understand there is a God in Israel. And it's not just a God with a little g. If you will, it is a God with a capital G, Brother Everett. We had that conversation just before service. It's not just another idol that sits on a shelf somewhere that's in Israel. I'm talking about the Creator. I'm talking about the I Am. The one who sent Moses into Egypt to deliver his people that sent plague after plague and tormented Egypt. The one who parted 
the Red Sea that they could escape the enemy with no issues or problems, with no lives lost. We're talking about a God that brought Israel into a promised land. A land that we talked about last Sunday night that flowed with milk and honey. A land where there was much fruit and that they could reap what others had sown and they could live in houses others had built because God is a big God and can take care of all those things. David wanted everybody to understand, yes, there was a God in the land back then and there is still a God in the land today. That's why in our text, 1 Samuel 17 and 46, after Goliath tried to intimidate David by saying, I'm just going to take you and I'm going to rip you apart and I'm going to feed you to the birds and I'm going to just, you're just going to rot out here because you're nothing. What am I? Goliath said, what am I, a dog? That you come at me with a staff? What are you going to do? Just beat me over the legs with a staff, David? David's response in verse 46 said, This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. David didn't even waver. All he had was a staff, and he had a sling in his hand. That's all he had. He said, And I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. How are you going to take my head, David? You don't have nothing to cut it off with or anything. How are you going to do it, man? David said, I'm going to do it. And I will give the carcasses of your friends back there that are hiding behind your skirt this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. That all the earth, David said, this is what is driving me. This is what makes me do what I'm doing right now. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Are you out there this evening? Hallelujah. I feel this deep down inside of me. If you can just bear with me, I want to see souls saved tonight. David wasn't the only one that understood this principle and he's not the only one that this principle drove Joshua was another man that understood that there was a God in Israel Joshua wanted everybody to know there is a God in the land but not just that he is here but that he is a mighty God Joshua chapter 4 1 through 7 says, And it came to pass, when all the people were clean, passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe, a man, and command you them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of the Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place, where ye shall lodge this night. When Joshua called Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of the tribe 
out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan, and take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in times to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Verse 7, Then ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. You may say, what in the world does this have to do with anything? The Lord told Joshua, as you walk across the Jordan, on your way in to the promised land, I want you to do something in remembrance that you came out and the Lord delivered you and let you cross the Jordan, which was flooded, by the way, at that point in time, and led you safely across with no bridges, and you walked on dry land as you walked through the Red Sea. He said, I want you to understand that I'm still God and that I am mighty. But I don't want only you to understand this, Joshua and people of Israel at this time. This was to be proof for those that were to live after them. They were going to see this monument of stones stacked, 12 stones stacked. And they would know that shows the power of God. You say, where do you find this at? Joshua 4, 19 through 24 said, And the people came up out of Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal, in the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your ch- children ask shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until you were passed over. As the Lord God, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over. Verse 24 says that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. It may seem irrelevant to be picking up these stones when we're walking through a miracle right now. But sometimes we need a memorial of what God's done for us. That we can remember that there is a God. That we might remember that He brought us through. That we didn't fall flat on our face through that valley. Hallelujah. 
Sometimes we need to take things with us from our miracles. Sometimes we need to look back and say, God, how in the world did I make it through that? Let me tell you something. You didn't make it. God pulled you through it. I am nothing without God. But yet, Philippians said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I need God. And believe it or not, there's still a God in this land. There's still a God in this land. Hallelujah. Elijah. Elijah proved that there was a God in Israel. If David, David and Goliath wasn't in the story, this would be my favorite. I guess I can stockpile favorites, can't I? <clears throat> but Elijah had dried up the earth. Well, Elijah asked God to dry up the land and not let rain come because they were worshiping other gods. And yes, that's little Jews. They were worshiping the gods of the land. The gods of the land. Not the God. Are you with me? One day, Elijah went and spoke to the king, King Ahab, and said, King, I want to meet you up on top of a mountain. And I want to have a contest. And I'm putting it in my own terms. And he said, I want to have a contest of gods. We all like contests, right? I want to have a contest of gods, if you will. Elijah told the king. And I want you to bring your priests, the priests of Baal, to the mountain. And I will meet you there, just me and my servant. And on this day, we will have a head off. I guess, to me, I, I think of this story, I may be immature, but I think of two people arm wrestling here. And one guy never showed up. So it was pretty easy for God to, to come out on top in this story. And the day starts, the contest starts here, and the prophets of Baal begin to do their chants and their prayers to their God Baal. And nothing was happening. The result of this contest, Elijah said, would be that the God that is true will answer by fire. And so the prophets of Baal began to send up prayers and ask God, their God, Baal, to send fire. And for some reason, it never came. 
it never showed up. And the prophets began to do something I think is quite ironic and crazy. They began to grab stones and knives and began to cut themselves and begin. I never understood what destroying your your flesh had to do with worship, but they said, you know what, just us saying prayers and knowing our chance isn't working, so we're going to have to do something more drastic. So they began cutting themselves. And Elijah just sat back in the back. He just, guys, what's the deal? Is Bill on vacation or what? Where's he at? Is it time for his afternoon nap? I mean, seriously, you guys have been at this thing all day long. Did he tell you this was his day off? Finally, Elijah said, you know what, guys, that's enough. I think we proved to you and to myself and everybody around that Bill's not going to answer you. And we pick up in 1 Kings chapter 18 to verse 29. It said, and it came to pass when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. Nobody showed up. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he prepared the altar of the Lord that was broken down. I can follow that rabbit trail that I'm not going to. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the Lord the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be my name, be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the, sac- on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, Do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran around about the altar. And he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. You understand what's going on here? You can't burn something that's wet. You ever try to light wet firewood? It just don't start it doesn't, cut, it doesn't light. You got to wait till it's dried out. And then it finally lights. But I just said, I want you guys to understand how mighty my God is. He didn't just do four barrels of water on his sacrifice and his altar and the wood. Everything was drenched. But he didn't just use four barrels. He used Twelve barrels. Twelve barrels of water. That's pretty wet. 
But not only was that enough, he had dug a trench around the altar and he filled that with water too. And verse 36, And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. nothing happened. No. Verse 38 said, Then the fire of the Lord failed. In a split moment, I can just imagine it. All Elijah said was, God, I just want you to listen. I want you to prove to this people that you're God. That's what he said. He said it two times. He repeated himself. And as soon as he said amen, the fire fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and looked up the water that was in the trench. That's pretty amazing. Elijah said, I've had enough of these false gods. And God, I want you to prove to this people of Israel and that you're willing to turn their hearts back and receive them. I just want you to prove one more time that you are God and that you still reign on the throne. And God did it. Instantly, the fire fell. And all that was left was a little black spot possibly on the ground. It said it, it, it burnt the stones, it burnt the fire, it burnt the wood, it burnt the sacrifice, and it burnt the dust all around it. That's what the Bible says. And all the water. And all the water. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Hallelujah. He got results because God proved to the people who he was. Hallelujah. Tonight, I've come to try to show you who God is. And that there is a God in Olathe, Kansas. On April 29th of 2012, there is a God that is still on the throne. And it is listening to your every prayer. Every need that you have, all you have to do is call out to Him. Solomon, all he wanted was God to show and people to understand that there is a God in the land. 
1 Kings 8 and 41, this is Solomon's prayer over the temple. He said, Moreover, concerning a stranger that is not of thy people Israel, but cometh out of a far country for thy name's sake, for they shall hear of thy great name, and of thy strong hand, and of thy stretched out arm, when he shall come and pray towards this house. He, hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and do according to all that the stranger calleth to thee for. That all the people of the earth may know thy name, to fear thee, as do thy people Israel. And that they may know that this house which I have builded is called by thy name. Later on in the prayer, he prays again, 8:59 and 60 says, And let these words wherewith I have made supplication before the Lord be nigh unto the Lord our God day and night, that he maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel at all times as the matter shall require. Verse 60 says, That all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is none else. He went a step further. He said, I want everybody to know that the Lord is God, but that there is none else. There's nobody else like my God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's only one. There's only one. I said there's only one. Hallelujah. Now, in all these things I've talked about, and I'm almost done, in all these things I've talked about, there's one common denominator. And God's showing that He is God. And that is faith. The one thing that makes God show who He really is, is if we believe Him to be who He is. Hebrews 11 and 1 said, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Now tonight, you may look at me and say, Preacher, what in the world are you talking about? How can you serve a God that you have never seen? How can you serve a God that you can't touch? I'll tell you why. Because I believe that he is. Hallelujah. Faith is the substance of things hopeful. The evidence of things that you can't see. But yet you know they're there. I got a question for you. How do you... You know there's wind. Right? You've... You can... Feel the wind upon your skin as you walk out the door. You can hear the wind. Sometimes even you can hear the wind inside as it blows upon the building. But yet you can't see it. But how do you know it's there? The air. I mean, you feel it. You know it's real. The air is there. 
for us to breathe. If it wasn't there, you wouldn't be alive today. Same as with my God. There's a God in the land. And the reason I can say there's a God in Olathe, Kansas, is because I feel Him tonight. And the reason I can say there's a God in Olathe, Kansas, is because I heard Him today in prayer. And the reason I can say there's a God in Kansas, in Olathe, and in New Life Pentecostal Church, right here in this room, is because he's done so much for me. And he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, even to the ends of the earth. And he's made me promise after promise. Yeah, I can't, in a sense, touch him, reach out and give him a hug. I can't, but I can hear him and I can feel him. My God is good. My God is good. God proved himself time and time again throughout the scripture. But not only in the scripture, he has proved himself time and time through history. He has proved himself time and time again in my life and everything that I go through. Here's some of the things that have happened just throughout the scripture that have been written down. It said, by faith, in, in Hebrews 11:24 through 40, he says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to, call, to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, <clears throat> choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Moses despised all his riches because he knew God would receive more glory out of him living for him. He could have had an easy life, but he knew that's not where he belonged. Hallelujah. He took the reproach of Christ because it was greater than riches, than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. We just talked about the invisible God. Verse 28 said, Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians, assaying to do, were drowned. I'm here to tell you tonight, just like God delivered Israel through the Red Sea unscathed, he can still deliver you through your problems. Yes, he's invisible, but yes, he is real, and he can take care of every problem that you've ever had in your life. And guess what? He don't just stop with, with, with drying out the ground and, and letting you walk through. He destroys your enemy. Hallelujah. It says, which the Egyptians are saying to do, they were drowned. God took care of their problem. Hallelujah. Somebody with me this evening. If you've got an issue, you want, God, you want something to, to, to change in your life, you've got one answer. One answer, and that is God. God is true. God is awesome. God can take care of everything that you've ever, you've ever dreamed of. Hallelujah. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith, the heart of Rahab perished not 
with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Verse 32 said, And what shall I say more? What, what else can I say? But he didn't stop. He said, For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Merrick and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms. They didn't do it on their own. It was God that strengthened them. It was God that gave them the power to overcome the overcomer, the, 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 the impossible. Hallelujah. Verse 34, sorry, verse 33 said, Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, had a weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned the flight the, the turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Verse 36 said, And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They, they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. This sounds horrible. But this is what these men chose to live like. They decided, you know what, I'm going to shun all the comfortable living and live for God. It cost them scourgings. It cost them stonings. It cost them bonds. It cost them imprisonment. It cost them money. Not one of them were very rich. They were tormented. They were afflicted. Verse 38 said, Of whom the world was not worthy, even though they suffered these things. The Bible says the world was not worthy of these folks. They devoted themselves to me totally. Everything. Yes, I was invisible. They couldn't see me. But yet they believed that I was there. They knew there was a God in the land. Hallelujah. No matter what they went through, no matter what they seen, their faith stayed here. And, 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 and they put everything aside, all their fleshly desires. The Apostle Paul, if, if I had time, I could go through what the Apostle Paul went through. He said, I went through shipwrecks. I've been stoned. I've been cast out. He said, I've been through all this stuff. But yet, I count it gain. Hallelujah. Still in verse 38, said, They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report, faith that's all it boils down to through faith these men you see it says receive not the promise these men did this without the Holy Ghost these men did this through sheer faith We have the Holy Ghost today. We have God 
dwelling in our hearts today. And if you don't, you can leave this place with God dwelling in your heart tonight. I'm not telling you it's going to be a bed of roses. But I'm telling you, these men will be forever counted worthy in heaven. Just because they believed that God was in the land and that God would take care of them. Verse 40 said, God having provided some better thing for us. That they, God gave us something better than what they had. They had nothing but faith. We have the Holy Ghost. That comforter which Jesus sent in his name to you. And to me, that's all it boils down to is you believing whether God is or whether God isn't. And then from that point, you move into, all right, God, what do I do next? What would you have me to do? Finishing verse 40 said that they without us should be made, should not be made perfect. Hallelujah. It takes faith. It takes faith. How many seen deaf ears unstopped? How many believe deaf ears can be unstopped? How many have seen blind eyes open? seen the dead raised. Hallelujah. How many believe the dead can be raised? I'm telling you, just like believing that God is, it just takes faith. Jesus said the faith the size of the grain of a mustard seed. That's all it takes. Just a shimmer of faith. Just not even, it's not even that, that it's, it's very minuscule. I want to see God do these things. I know God is God. And I know God is in the land. But you know what happened when God came to earth? Not one day went by that blind eyes were opened. Not one day went by that deaf ears weren't unstopped. Not one day went by without the sick being healed. The crippled being raised up out of their chairs or, 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 or up off the ground. Not one day went by because God was in the land. But let me tell you something. God's still in the land. 
It takes faith for us to show that there is God, there is a God in this land. Jesus came that all people would know that there is a God in the land and that he had overcome the world and that he, Jesus Christ, is God. That's what he came for. John chapter 16, verse 31 through 33 said, Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He said, you know who I am. I've taught you who I am. Be of good cheer. Even though I'm leaving you, I've overcome the world. You have nothing to fear. Jesus prayed that his efforts would not die when he was gone. 1 John 17, 1 through 6 said, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son, and that thy Son may also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee. The only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me. And they have kept thy word. John 17, 25 and 26. Said, O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee. And these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name. And I will, de- and will declare it. That the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Jesus said, I came that I could abide in you. I came to make things right. I came to overcome the world. Hallelujah. Wherewith thou hast, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. He is not only God in Israel. But you may get that perception from the way I preach tonight. But no, he is God in all the world. Romans chapter 3, verse 21 through 31 says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. 
For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood. There's that word again. To declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just. And the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is, it, is, it is excluded. By what law? Of what works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he a God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? And he answers, yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God, which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish it's not just for the Israelites. It's not just for the Jews, but it's for you and I, the Gentiles of this world. Gentiles is just a word describing you and I because I was not born a Jew. Paul said, yes, he, yes, of the Gentiles also. He was sent. Not just to save a few select people, but he came for the world. We ought to show that God is in this world to steal and that he abides in us. Hallelujah. First John chapter 2 and verse 2 and verses 2 through 6 says, My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Hallelujah. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we know we that we are in him. Verse 6. He saith, he that saith he abideth in him, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Can we stand this evening? My little children, these things write unto you that ye said not. Jesus Christ is our advocate with the Father. Hallelujah. There is no way that we can get to the Father but by Him. But first we have to believe that He is. That he is here right now, reaching for your soul.
Preacher, how, how can I fix my problem? I'm glad you asked because I'm going to give you an answer. Peter told us this plan of salvation in Acts chapter 2. I read it once already this evening. And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and he shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's it. If you go on into verse 39, it says, For the promises to you and to your children and to all that are far off. That's you and me. That's your children's children. That's everybody under the sound of my voice. Even as many as the Lord our God shall come. Jesus taught these principles as well. Taught repentance was necessary for salvation. Luke 13, 1-5 said, There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans, because they suffered such things, I tell you nay. But except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. For those eighteen upon whom the tower in Sodom fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? Verse 5 says, I tell you nay, but except you repent, except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Jesus also taught baptism as being part of this born-again process. John 3 and 5 says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. So we're back to Acts 2.38. It says, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's all you got to do tonight. Come and repent of your sins. Church, let's pray this evening. Lord, we need you tonight. God, you see hungry souls in this place this evening. God, I won't, I don't want them to have to leave without you. God, somehow show them that there is a God in this place today. That you are that God. And that you can answer every prayer, every need that they may ever need. God, that the Holy Ghost is the answer to life. exceptions. God will show himself to everybody. And everybody will understand that he is God. Philippians 2, 5 through 11 said, let this mind be in you, which was 
also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, things in heaven and things in earth, and the things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. Friend, you may have come this evening without Jesus. You may have come in search of something new and fresh in your life. I invite you tonight to come and repent of your sins. Just tell God that you're sorry for all the things that you've done that you know weren't right. And that you never want to turn around from those sins again. And begin to surrender yourself to Him. Can we find a place to pray tonight? Surrender everything to you.